Everybody, good morning and welcome to CCC. So glad that you're here. Uh, thanks for coming. I welcome those of you over in East Hall, those of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from, welcome. All right, we are in the middle of this series on the Ten Commandments, the ten most famous laws uh, in the world. And we are looking for love that is part and parcel of each one of these laws. We know that because Jesus said it was so. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, what's interesting is he did not name one of these ten. He could have. Right? The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. It's a great commandment. Martin Luther said that uh, until we break that first commandment, we do not sin. You would never sin if nothing became more important than God. So Jesus could have said in answer to the question, what's the greatest commandment? He could have said the first one, but he didn't. He said, love God, love him. And then he said, the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself, love them. Love him and love them. Every law of God is about one of those two things. And that's what we've been talking about. So Moses goes up on a mountain called Sinai to talk with God. Uh, the Israelites have just come out of Egypt where they had been slaves. And they are milling around at the foot of the mountain. And uh, they are for the first time in 400 years without anyone telling them what they could do, what they couldn't do. For the first time in 400 years, they have no rules. <laughs> you get tens of thousands of people together with no rules. And what you have is Woodstock, right, or, or something like it. So Moses comes down off the mountain with these Ten Commandments, what the Hebrews called simply the Ten Words. And they become the foundation not just for the nation of Israel, but for the entire Western world. The Ten Commandments are kind of easily divided into two categories. The first four commandments are about how we are to love God. The next six commandments are how we are to relate to each other, how to love each other. We've already covered the first four commandments. The first commandment, have no other gods before me. God says, don't make any substitutes. Don't make your children more important than me. Don't make your job more important than me. Don't make yourself more important than me. I need to be supreme. No other gods before me. The second command is no images. God says, don't make me up. Don't make me into the kind of God you want me to be. Let me be me. The third commandment, do not take my name in vain. Don't speak for me. Let me speak for myself. And then finally, the fourth commandment, which is to remember the Sabbath day. God says, once a week, remind yourselves of who I am and what I have done for you, and you will find rest for your weary souls. And now we turn our attention to loving our neighbor as ourself, the next six commands. You know, the vertical relationship comes first, and then there's a horizontal relationship with each other. And those two are connected. If you are loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you have a much better shot at loving other people. All right, so now we are on the fifth commandment. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, this verse is going to come up on the screen, both here and over in East Hall. It's only one verse. It's verse 12. 
And this is what it says. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is God's word. Uh, this is a challenging message for a couple of reasons. One is that I'm talking to you and not talking to children. I mean, if I was going to tell you that I was going to go into the children's area and I was going to teach them this verse, you would go, do it. Okay? Awesome. They need to hear it. You go tell them. Right? But I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. And what's interesting is that not everybody has children, but everybody has parents. So this is for everyone. All right? The other thing that makes this challenging is that uh, the first four commandments were about us and God. And God is perfect. So if there's any problem in the first four commandments, it has to do with us. That just makes sense. But here we start to deal with each other. And parents are not perfect. In fact, some of your parents were far, far from perfect. Some of you are here and you have deep wounds from your parents. And you can feel your throat tighten up right now or your chest or whatever. And I want you to know that I won't be able to cover everything I want to cover in the time that we have, but we have a podcast called Church Unplugged. And we have already decided we're going to try to do an episode where we answer some of the questions that have arisen from this series. So look for that coming out in the next couple of months. All right. But I have three questions I want to answer with regard to honor your father and your mother. I want to answer the question, why, and then what, and then how? Why is this a commandment? What does it mean to honor your father and your mother? And then how are we supposed to do it? How are we supposed to do it? All right, first, why? Why is this a commandment? So the commandments start out with God saying, this is how you relate to me, and now we're going to turn our attention to how we are to relate to each other. It makes sense that the place where we begin to learn how to relate to other people is at home. The Greek philosopher Plato said, on a scale of human decency, honoring your parents is second only to God. Augustine, the famous church father, said, if someone does not honor their father and their mother, is there anyone he will spare? There is something about honoring our father and our mother that is foundational to what it means to have a society. And we begin that at home. Right? The other thing that makes it make sense is that aside from God, your parents have had the greatest impact on you becoming who and what you are. Your parents have had that great impact on you. I was reading a commentary this past week, and what it said was that the home, God designed the home to be the first hospital, the first school, the first government, the first church that anyone ever experiences. I found that fascinating. Even as I read those words, like my kids are all grown now and gone, and they have kids of their own, but when I read those words about how the home was to be the first hospital, first school, first government, first church, it made me uh, long for days past. The first hospital, every child needs someone to run to when they are hurt. 
Someone who will tell them how bad the scrape is and how to make it better. And children need to run to their father, to their mother. The first school, uh, my, uh, my grandkids, long before they entered into an official school, would regale me with uh, interesting facts about animals. They would stand and count to 10, first in English, and then in Spanish, and then sometimes in Spanglish, right? <laughs> Where'd they learn that? They learned that at home. The first government, you learn how to respond to authority at home, first place. I read a book a couple of weeks ago that said children long for two things, long to know two things. One, that they are loved, and two, that they are not in charge. If you are a parent of a child, of a small child, please, please take that wisdom. Your kids long to know they are loved. Make sure they know they are loved, but they also need to know they are not in charge. Do not let your children be in charge. They will learn how to respond to authority first from you. And then finally, the first church. So I am the, a pastor, the son of a pastor. But I don't want this, this place to be the first place that my grandchildren learn about God or learn the great stories of the Bible or the wonder of Jesus or how to pray. I want them to learn that at home. Now, in a perfect world, every home would be that for everybody that you'd experience uh, your first hospital, your first school, first government, first church at home. And that would be the building blocks of a culture. You know, this is the only commandment with a promise. And the promise is, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. The reason it says that is the moment that children begin dishonoring their parents is the moment that a society begins to disintegrate. The other reason that it says that this is a promise that you may live long in the land is your children will learn how to treat you by how you treat your parents. It'll be the air that they breathe and they will learn how if you want your sunset years to be and to be treated a certain way, then you treat your parents a certain way. And so that's what it says, but we don't live in a perfect world. That means that some of our parents were phenomenal parents. And some of your parents were terrible parents. And so it brings us to the second question, which is what does it mean to honor your father and your mother? Interesting that it says both, by the way. Father and mother. That's unprecedented in the ancient world. No other place mentions mother. But there is equal honor to be given to fathers and mothers, according to this passage. And it says honor, uh, not obey. Could have said obey your parents. It could have used, uh, he could have said love your parents. Could have said admire your parents. But instead, God says honor your parents. Why? Well, the reason is because the Bible was written for all people, at all ages, in all cultures, for all time. That's what the Bible was written for. And that means that I have a grandson who is four, and this commandment is for him. He is to honor his father and his mother. I have a son who's 37, and he is to honor his father and his mother. And I am 60, and my parents are alive, so I am to honor my father and my mother. But you know that your relationship with your parents 
changes from the time you're 40 to time, or from the time you're four to the time you're 40. Like the way that a child honors their parents is by obeying them. That's what Ephesians and Colossians, the Apostle Paul says, children obey your parents, but he uses the Greek word for little children because that's the way a child will honor. What's interesting is that a child can actually obey their parents and still break the fifth commandment. I know you might have done that when you were a child. I know I did. Where my parents would make me obey and I would knuckle under and obey, but I would just glare at them and I'd be sullen and I'd stomp around. And that would mean that I was not honoring them, but I was obeying them. But if, if honor them means that you can uh, obey and not honor, it also means you can honor and not obey. You can, as your relationship changes, that honor changes with it. And the reason that's so important is this, that some of you have had wonderful parents and some of you have not. I remember uh, doing a, I was gonna teach on uh, fathers in men's fraternity and how fathers have the power to bless and to curse, uh, to heal and to wound. And so I decided to kind of have a little experiment and I was gonna ask some people uh, on staff, to give me uh, three words to describe their dads. And my three words to describe my dad was strong, funny, and kind. Strong, funny, and kind. My dad was actually here in the first service and I got to say that for him. I could have picked 20 other words, all of them good. I had an amazing father growing up. I have an amazing father now. I walked down the hall from my office, stuck my head into a, another office, that day, and I said, hey, describe your dad in three words. And I thought I would hear some of the same words. And instead, this man looked up at me and he said, okay, drunk, angry, and mean. Drunk, angry, and mean. And he could have picked 20 other words for his dad, and all of them would be bad. And the fifth commandment is for both of us. The fifth commandment is for you, no matter what your parents were like, which is why it says honor, and you have to get this right. If you don't get this right, it's going to drive you crazy because some of you right now are thinking, wait, if you tell me to honor my parents, they're very controlling, I'm going to come under their control, I'll have to obey them, I'll have to you know, get involved in this unhealthy relationship. That's not what it means. So you have to get this right. Honor is not an emotion. It's not affection. It's not love. It's not admiration. It's a decision. Honor comes from the Hebrew word kavod. And that's the same Hebrew word that's used to describe the glory of God. And the reason it's this, it describes the glory of God, it means heaviness. It means weight. You treat God as if he matters. Honor your father and mother means you, you treat them as if they matter. You treat them with dignity and respect which means you can have a relationship with your parents where they are not good parents and they tell you to do something and you can look at them and you can say, no, I can't do that. But you can do it with dignity and respect. A few weeks ago, I told you that I uh, used the illustration of Chariots of Fire, it's a movie about a man named Eric Little who was an Olympic runner from Scotland and he was uh, the son of a missionary, follower of Jesus. And he had decided, this is back in 1924, that he would not run 
on Sunday. He would not run on the Sabbath. And the Olympic heats were for the 100-yard dash were on Sunday. So he was brought before a committee. And on the committee was the Prince of England. And the Prince of England was trying to get him to run on Sunday. And he said to him, listen, if you love your country, sometimes you need to sacrifice for your country. And Eric Little looked at the Prince of England and he said, sir, God knows I love my country, but I can't make that sacrifice. I won't run on Sunday. And that's final. He disagreed with the Prince of England. It wasn't, he didn't do it with uh, dishonor. He did it with great honor. He did it with dignity and respect. That's what you are called to do. That's what it means to honor your father and your mother. Now it brings me to the third point, which is how. How are we to honor our father and our mother? I'm going to give you some very practical things. I'm going to give you uh, three different categories, small, medium, and large. And then I'm going to give you what I'm going to call the deep secret. Small, medium, and large ways to honor your parents, and then the deep secret for small ways. You can find culturally appropriate ways to honor your parents in little ways. Send them a birthday card. Call them when you don't feel like it. Uh, now, with grown children, I know what it feels like to get a call from one of my kids, and it is wonderful. Go to visit them when you can't invite them to participate in celebrations when you can't. Those would be small ways. A medium way to honor your father and your mother is to thank them for the good. Thank them for the good. This is what I mean. Every parent has a desire to see themselves in their kids at least some, some way. You know, there's a, a verse in Isaiah that says, you will wear your sons as ornaments. You will wear your sons as ornaments. And I never really understood what that meant. And then I began to think of what it was like when my kids were growing up, they were athletes. They're still athletes. But when they had sporting events in high school, I would get nervous before their games. I don't know if they got nervous. I got nervous. And then when I would watch them play, and if they played particularly well, I would swell up. I would just be so happy because there was something about them that reflected on me. I would wear them as an ornament. Every parent longs to see themselves in their children. So when I say thank them for the good, even a bad parent does something right every once in a while, and you can thank them for it. You can go to your dad. And maybe say, everything I learned about hard work, I learned from watching you. You can go to your mom and say, Mom, I learned to love reading because of you. You were the first one to ever read to me. Find a way to say something like that to your parents, and they will never forget what you have said to them. You will honor them. The large way to honor your parents is finally this, to forgive them, to forgive them. There are some of you who have been deeply wounded by your parents. Sir, there are some of you who have been deeply disappointed by your parents. Not a single person in this room, in this church, had perfect parents. And the best way you can honor them is to forgive them. 
And the only way you can really forgive someone is to realize that you have been forgiven, that you have sinned, and you have a heavenly Father who has forgiven you. And that actually brings me to the deep secret, the deep secret. I'll talk to people sometimes, and they, uh, they reject God because of the, the parents that they have had, because they use their parents as a template to kind of put on God. And they say, I can't relate to God as father because of my own father. And you have it exactly upside down. Because God is supposed to be the template that we put on our parents. And deep down, you know that. And this is the way you know that, is that there are two basic wounds we get from our parents. The first wound that you can get from your parents is that you do not get what you long for, what you know you need, what you know you want, which is unconditional love and healing love. And you know it's out there somewhere. That's what makes it hurt so badly if your parents have not loved you the way you know you need to be loved. And that's why I so, so appreciate Luke chapter 15. Because in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is describing God and he decides to use an image. And out of all the images that he could have chosen to describe what God was like, he chose the image of a father. And he said, this father saw his son coming home to him, broke and broken. And this father ran to his son and he wrapped his arms around his son and he shouted for all to hear, come rejoice with me for this son of mine who is lost has been found. This son of mine who is dead is alive. The father you have longed for, the father you want is the father you have, Jesus said. The first part of the deep secret is that God is the kind of father who can actually heal the wounds that you have deep down from your own mother and father. That's the first thing. The second kind of wound that we get from our mothers and our fathers is when we have great mothers and fathers, but they are no longer with us, that they have passed away. And there are different times where you say, if I ever needed my mom, I need her now. If I ever needed my dad, I need him now. And they are not here. And some of you know that wound. Jonathan Edwards was a great preacher and theologian of the 18th century. And uh, he was dying. And when he was dying, only one of his children was with him at the time, his daughter Lucy. And his other children were away, and his wife was away, and he had this feeling that he wasn't going to last through the night. And he said to Lucy, Lucy, I don't think I'm going to see the morning, so I want you to write this down. Tell your mother that the union that we have shared is so deep and so spiritual, I do not think it will end. And then he said this, tell your other brothers and sisters that it's time for them to look to the Father who does not die. It's time for them to look to the Father that does not die. Listen, this is true. The deep secret is this, that God is the one who has the power to heal you of the wounds that your parents might have inflicted on you, whether they understood it or didn't understand it. 
because he has the power to love you in the way that you long to be loved. And he is the father who will not die and who is with you forever. And this is the fifth commandment. First time that we begin to look at how we are to relate to each other. There is an answer to the why question. Why is this a commandment? There's an answer to the what question. What does it mean to honor our fathers and our mothers? And it means to treat them with dignity and respect. There's an answer to the how question, small, medium, and large. But the biggest thing I want you to get is that there's this deep secret that the template for our parents comes from God himself. And God has so loved you that he sent his son. He has proven his love for you. And that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that you can not only be forgiven, but you can be healed and made whole. And your heart can be knit together. And that's wonderful news. And that happens because for this God of the universe... Love is what matters most. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father in heaven, we call you Father, and that is such an amazing thing. You invite us to call you Abba, Father. And I pray now for every person here. You know that there are uh, those people here that have experienced the deep wounds of disappointment or hurt from parents And you are the one that can love them in such a way to begin to heal them. I pray that they will experience your love. There are those who are deeply missing uh, their mothers and their fathers. And I pray that you will uh, pour out your love on them as well. As a father who does not die, who is still with them and will be with them forever. And thank you for sending your son, proving your love through your son, Jesus. And that through his life, death, and resurrection, we can have life and we can have healing. I pray that you'd give us that now. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.